0: I'll keep testing this. Oh, here we go. That's great. Um, Kids are welcome to go back to Kids Church. Uh, While they're heading back there, I'll just say a hello. I am not the normal face up here. My name is Lindsay. Um, My husband and I have been attending this church for a little over a year. Someone asked me this morning, so why are you teaching this morning? And I, I think it's a valid question. And I stand by it. I'm teaching because I keep saying yes, both to God and to Robert. And um, God is doing beautiful things in my life and in my family's life. Um, and I am happy to share that with you this morning and share the word of God according to Lindsey Groves Souser. So this morning... We'll be looking at John 15 together. You're welcome to join along with me And your, I t- lost sound, there it is again. You're welcome to follow along with me John 15, one through 17, I'll be reading from the New International Version. And I'll also highlight certain texts from the First Nations Version, which is a paratranslation similar to the message developed by a council of First Nations people. Um, the reason that I love looking at that specific text, is because it's so connected to land imagery. Um, And I am someone who, I'll just keep talking and we'll see if they'll fix it. I'm someone who keeps uh, coming back to, to who keeps coming back to seeing God reflected in the earth and in his natural beauty reflected in the earth. So hopefully that's given you time to pull up John 15 or look at it in your bulletin or on the screen behind me. Should I take one of these off? Or just keep using both? Uh, Britney Spears had one of these. I know, this is like showing exactly my age, who I am, but this is what I want in, um, in the diversity of leadership in the church. We should be hearing from people who were uh, lip-syncing with Britney Spears when they were in elementary school. Uh, chapter, John chapter 15, starting in verse one. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. ask that you would hover in this room with us. I know you're here. Make us more aware of your presence. May my words be your words. Would you change hearts and minds today towards you? In Jesus' name, amen. So I've read this section, confession, I have read this section almost every single day for the last two months. About two months ago, uh, we were called and asked to be foster parents to a baby that had not yet been born. And two weeks later it was born. Um, We got to be part of a little foster baby's life from its first day of life all the way to Friday when we reunified this baby with his aunt. Um, And the whole process was beautiful and rich and rewarding and heartbreaking as well. Um, And I've needed this verse, these verses, every single day. the, the image of dwelling with God, God dwelling with us, us being part of a garden, it's been extremely nurturing. And one of my favorite hobbies in the summer is to garden. So I've read this verse, then I've gotten into my garden, gotten my hands dirty, and I've let God continue to use these verses to shape me. Um, this, this first story here uh, is about my daughter, Thea. <laughs> Um, I'll get to that in just a second. So this is what we'll focus on through our morning together. As followers of Jesus, we are gifted to remain in God's love. This is enough, and yet God's love for us transforms in and through us to inevitably produce good fruit. This is a teaching about dwelling in God's love and celebrating his harvest in our lives. So we'll go through the text again, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. My daughter, sweet Theodosia Renee, gave me permission to share this story and her image. (laughs) Uh, Here's a picture of us in the garden together she is in charge of planting one of the boxes and she is three years old and she's got these adorable pudgy little toddler hands that are not very nimble but they're very cute and she wanted to have autonomy in planting whatever she wanted in her garden so i wasn't going to give her pepper seeds those are tiny teeny teeny tiny i wanted to give her something that she could actually hold on to so she planted bean seeds and corn, and a little tomato sapling in her garden. And um, have any of you gardened with t- toddlers before? Do you know what they do when they're gardening and they're planting seeds? Thea just took fistfuls of beans, and she just planted them in the ground like this. And she would poke these big holes and then throw another handful of beans. And I, being a very hands off a little bit of a free-range parent Um, this is we'll just leave it like that it's that's fine Um, so she just has these big clusters of plants and I just let it be and said okay you get to be the gardener of this garden but what happened two weeks later when all of those sprouts came up anyone want to say what they think happened A lot of things. They're all growing together in this tight little cluster, and so as a good gardener, what should I do? We need to prune it. Yeah. So we, so you can hit the next slide. This is her in her garden. She's actually putting some all to get the deer to stay away from our crops. Um, but we we took this green bean patch and we thinned it out so that it would be even more fruitful. Um, so by cutting it we made way for more abundant and healthier fruit and we have really enjoyed all of the green beans in our in Thea's garden where is this happening in your life where are you planting with good intentions only to have God start thinning out and pruning your plans and dreams so that your life produces more fruit are you open to God pruning you and thinning you out Do you trust that God is pruning you with good intentions? You can hit the next slide. I for sure have good plans and dreams and very good intentions, just like Thea had very good intentions while planting her garden. So these are some of my dreams and plans, if you can read them. First is attaining a trophy husband, which I feel I'm very successful in. Um, My dreams and plans are to have a loving family of three, maybe more, I'd like to publish a novel in 10 years time. I'd like to walk with my daughter as she discovers who she is and is made to be. And I would love to own a soccer mom wagon. You know, the one with the big wheels that you can take everywhere. These are my big goals and plans. I'd also like to run the world like Beyonce. Now God's plans and dreams, just a sampling of them, are to beautify the church, make Jesus known among all nations. He'd like to turn hearts and minds towards Jesus, and he'd like to restore the earth and all systems to himself. So I show you this to show you a little bit about myself. This is what I'm like. And I'm not making fun of all of my dreams. A little bit, I am. It's a little tongue-in-cheek. But like Thea planting green beans, I can't comprehend the full picture of what God has planned for me. I tend to my life like a garden. I pray instead that God would prune me to help me say no to things that won't bring maximum growth and to say yes to the things that bring more fruit. So again, this week, we have had our plans as a family rearranged. When we brought our foster son into our family, we thought he would be with us for years, if not forever. And then a couple weeks later, the story changed. And um, family members came forward to say that they wanted to raise Jasper. our foster son as his own as their own and we were so sad to not be part of his chosen family anymore it wasn't my plan um, to let him go back with family necessarily I we signed up for the foster system and that was part of the deal too but the point is I can't fully comprehend what God is doing in this story but I trust and see that God is good in order to see more fruit, we have to be open to allowing the master gardener, Jesus, to prune us. So I'd love to have some audience participation here. Would you pray with me with your hands open like this? If you would, I'll give you a second if you want to flip to the next yep, the next slide. to read the words before you say them out loud. I'll read the first part, and if you agree, would you read the second part? Jesus, you are the true vine. Father God, you are the gardener. Cut off every branch in us that bears no fruit. Prune each branch that does bear fruit so that it will be even more fruitful. May my dreams and plans be open handed, trusting that you will grow me with loving kindness. Are you all ready to keep going? John fifteen four through 5 says remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit and apart from me you can do nothing. This is beautiful. I love verses that tell me to do nothing. How many of you feel like you are doing too much? Not all of us have this problem. Some of us are blessed with some, some beautiful, restful spirits, and it's not me. I feel like I am always doing too much. But the gift of this verse is about remaining, remaining in God. And this is not so hard. In fact, it's barely work at all, if it is any, on our part to remain in God. Instead, it's in the very nature of Jesus' name that he remains with us. Jesus was given the name Emmanuel, God with us. And in story after story in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see how God is with us, going before the Israelites with a pillar of smoke at night, and in a cloud by day leading people through, leading the Israelites through the desert. Here's the truth, God is with us, God is near to us. God is present and dwelling in his people. Here's the promise, God will be with us. God will be near to us. God will be present and dwelling in his people until the end of time. Again, Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Nothing can bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Who of you forgets that God is with us? Who forgets to remain in God I forget to remain in God every time and it's usually around five o'clock when I am so ready for my husband Jason to come home from work because all of my creative juices I've been like sucked out of me by my beautiful three-year-old vampire daughter she's wonderful and I love being her mother but not at five o'clock at five o'clock I just want to be myself that is when i forget to remain in god or that god is remaining in me i think that there's about 8 billion different ways of experiencing the indwelling of god and factor that exponentially that's just the estimation of the population of the world i think every one of us has a unique way of dwelling and remaining in god and today i want to share one way in which i practice remaining in god and invite you to practice this with me you can go to the next slide Um, This is a five senses prayer. This is is really just a mindfulness practice. I'm not coining anything. I'm not making up anything brand new. Um, But I'd like for us to do this together, to look at ways in which God is here with us. When we acknowledge that God is here with us, we also participate in remaining in God. So we'll do a 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 prayer all together. And these questions won't be rhetorical. I really will want to hear back from you. As a community, we'll share five things that we've seen today or this week that has reminded you that God is with us. Then four things that we've heard. Three things that we've felt. Textures. Um, Yes, with your hands your bodies, Um, and two things that you've smelled, and one thing that you've tasted today or this week that has reminded you that God is with us. So first, starting with our sight, our sense of seeing, can we get some audience participation on what are things that you are seeing that has reminded you that God is with us? Elizabeth? Yep, so unintentional flowers and being in nature. Who else? Okay. The rain this week. Where else have we seen that God is with us? Transition from night to day, to the transition from night to day. Two more sights. Civilized, happy children playing. <laughs> One more thing that we've seen that reminds us that God is with us. Erin? The deer on the way to work. Okay, four things that we've heard this week that remind us that God is with us. Katie? The wrestling of the leaves. Mariah? The morning doves, the birds outside. Oh, <laughs> we'll do a ditto for that one. <laughs> All right, one more for things that we have heard. <laughs> Eden singing, twinkle, twinkle, little star. This is where we hear that God is with us. All right, three things that you've felt with your hands, or your body this week that remind us that God is with us. Katie. Yes, go for it. Yes, really good hugs. This reminds us that God is with us. Amen. And the water yesterday when we were out kayaking and canoeing. One more thing that we have felt. Go ahead. Oh, the baby kicking in a belly. Yes, that reminds us that God is with us. All right, two things. What have you smelled that reminds you that God is with us? Mariah, my tomato plants. My, my oh, they visited lavender fields last week. That is proof that God is with us. All right, now one thing that you've tasted that reminds us that God is with us. Clancy. <laughs> yep. So uh, the burst of flavor oh, yeah. from this tiny sun gold tomato. <laughs> this is proof that God is with us. We remain in God when we remember that God is with us always. All right, we're going to skip ahead to verse 8, and I'd like to share this with you in the First Nations version. It says, when you grow a harvest of fruit, this will show that you are walking my road. You will bring great honor to my Father. This is so descriptive. You are walking my road. You are on the right path when you grow a harvest of fruit. And we know that the fruits of the Spirit, uh, from Galatians 5, are love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Did I miss any? (laughs) I almost missed goodness. Actually, I missed goodness in my printed copy here. Um, But I'll take a second to acknowledge things that are not fruits of the Spirit that we often mistake as symbols of God's favor and God's presence with us. Things that are not fruits of the spirit are job security, good health, the size of our church gathering, that's not an indication that God is with us. Being on the right side of an argument or having correct theology, again, not evidence of the fruit of the spirit. Having expendable income is not proof that, that you are growing in the fruit of the Spirit and being so independent that you never ask for help. That is not evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You are walking my road. You are on the right path when you grow a harvest of fruit. And we know from the previous verses and my experience gardening with a toddler, that the harvest that we grow is not on us. It's not my toddler that made the green beans grow. We don't make fruit happen. Our main instruction is to remain in God. And then the master gardener grows in us a harvest of good fruit. In verse 9 through 11, it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Here it is again, this command to remain in God's love. Let that soak in again. Our command is to remain in God's love. It's a gift. And what I know about love is that it produces more love. The more I open myself up to God's love, the more love I have. Each year of my marriage, I see how the years, the shared experiences, the proximity to each other, and the challenges are deepening my love for Jason. And any time a family member is added, whether that's biological or not, whether that's forever or for just a few short months, I feel an opening up of more love for that new member. I hear other parents saying this when they have a second child, that they didn't think that they had enough space for more love, or they didn't think that they would love their first child even more than they do now. But this is pretty universal, that when we have more, more people in our lives, there's just a greater capacity to share love. It's pretty miraculous. Um, We're going to skip ahead then to verse 16. And in the First Nations Version, verse 16 says, You may think you chose me, but I am the one who chose you. You are my new garden where I will grow a harvest of my love, the fruit that remains. When you bear this fruit, you represent who I am, my name. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask for. I am telling you this so that you will walk the road of love with each other. This chapter is so rich, and it's quite meandery too, that I can't touch on every single thing. But the resounding summation I see from this section of John 15, is that God's love for us transforms in and through us to inevitably produce good fruit. This translation says, you may think you chose me, but I am the one who chose you. You may think you chose me, but I am the one who chose you. There's a beautiful, grace-filled inaction to this sentence. We have been chosen by God, and this is an inclusionary choosing, not an exclusionary choosing. This is a choosing that invites everyone in, not pushes people out. You are my new garden where I will grow a harvest of my love. In closing, tapestry, this has been a season of seeing an abundance of God's harvest in my life. And I want to share some of those harvest moments with you as my church family so we can celebrate together. Here is where I'm seeing a harvest of God's love in this season. This is... This is our church potluck a couple weeks, hosted by Ellen, and no one can stop talking about it because it was so beautiful, seriously. Ellen's shaking her head, but everyone else is nodding along that was there. It was so beautiful. We shared a meal together as a tapestry community and enjoyed a midsummer evening together in her beautiful garden. This is where I am seeing a harvest of God's love. Um, We invited a baby in and neighbors and family and community members and coworkers popped out of the woodwork to bless the child in our care, delivering diapers and meals and coming by to take um, my three-year-old on walks to the park and hit hit up four parks in two hours with my daughter. This, This is where I'm seeing a harvest of God's love in the care that we've been receiving from our community. I'm seeing a harvest of God's love in my little family's ability to swell and absorb a baby as one of our own, and then having the courage to give him back when our time was up. This is where I'm seeing a harvest of God's love. I went canoeing yesterday with friends as, um, literally, we dropped off our newborn baby on Friday, and then Saturday, we were like, what do we do with our life today? We're not... We're not heating up bottles every three hours. We're not awake in the middle of the night. What's eight hours of sleep at night? This is insane. So we needed to get out of our house and we went canoeing. And I saw a harvest of God's love on the water while we were watching the huge 100-year-old wise trees, the white pines and the Norway spruces lining the lakes. We went to a lake that was literally aqua blue-green Um, from the lime sediment in the water. And this is where I saw a harvest of God's love, just in the reflection in nature all around me. Um, Also, not very high church, I feel the harvest of God's love when I bite into a Georgia peach and when I taste fresh strawberries. This is where I see a harvest of God's love. It doesn't have to be this big, crazy thing. We see a harvest of God's love in these tiny moments. I see a harvest of God's love when our church family warmly welcomes strangers into our midst. This is evidence of the kingdom of God. Amen? This is all I have for you today, tapestry. This week, may you remain in the vine. May you rest in God's extraordinary love for you. May you trust the master gardener, Jesus, with open hands to prune you into a branch that bears lovely fruit. May you rejoice in the knowledge that God is inevitably growing you and producing good fruit in your lives. Does anyone have any questions? We're a church that does Q&A at the end of each... Q&A at the end of each sermon. Yes, but I think that it abide is a word that is really rich on purpose. You know, I think of very often, uh, very frequently. I think dwell, <laughs> um, staying connected with, soak up. Like, these are the things that I have been thinking um, at Nauseam. Does anyone else have something that they like to think of as an abiding word when they look at this chapter? Terrence? (laughs) Yeah. Yep, there were moments this past two months where... I literally, when I read this chapter, it was like I was the baby and God was rocking me. Like there were moments where I wasn't sure if I had capacity to care for a newborn life. And when I kept reading this, I felt that rocking presence of God, that He was just, He had me, He was just holding me. Anyone else? all right do we have a slide for the doxology well we close with singing the doxology and i'm happy to lead us um the words are praise god to whom all blessings flow and if you don't know it just enjoy it be blessed there's enough of us who do praise